importantly, we are here to answer your questions, talk triathlon, life, and all things in between. You never know what you're going to hear on this podcast, I sometimes <laughs> sometimes think. Um, we uh, Before we dive into our questions, um, I want to remind you that you can send us your questions at www.whereyourfeettakeyou.com slash podcast, or you can send them to us on um, Instagram, though we do prefer them on the forum because it allows me to ensure that we get them better organized and make sure that we answer them, you know, to the extent that we can. So yeah, we're just going to dive right in here because we have known as always have busy, busy, busy days. And, uh, Kayla, I still have to, I still have to run later in the few after this. So awesome. All right, Aaron, how's it going? You know, I've been better. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you follow me on Instagram, um, in this on Tuesday afternoon, so if you me on Instagram, you know that I was unable to complete my long run this morning. Um, woke up and was experiencing kind of chest tightness. I was a couple weeks ago, but I kind of was like, okay, you know what? If you have to run really, really easy, you can still get a benefit out of this workout. Um, so I started run, was running at 10, 30, 11 minute miles, which is pretty easy for me. Um, and just 40 minutes in, I had to call it because I was tiptoeing that line of asthma attack and it worth pushing over that. Um, so I had to walk and just super bummed and upset and frustrated and all those emotions. I'm working with my asthma doctor and hopefully I get it figured out soon. Yeah, hopefully we get that figured out soon. I think it's, you know, it's one of those where we were just briefly chatting about it pre um, recording here and it's a little bit like, wow, where's this, you know, where's this kind of come from? Cause you haven't had any issues in a while. And but then I was thinking about it today on my ride, and as I told you, I got done with my ride, and I almost wonder if there's something in the air. Even though the AQI has been has been fine here, like we don't have any smoke or really any smog or anything going on, um, I just almost wonder if there's something in the air. Because I got done with my ride, and I kind of felt like my like throat just felt super raw, and I didn't even ride that hard today. I'm because of the style of training that we're doing now for me. My riding is like a zone, a lot of zone two work, and it shouldn't have made my throat feel really, really raw. And I kind of like kept coughing and I thought of you, um, during it because I was like, Hmm, I wonder, I mean, I have no idea. Maybe there's some, because of the type of winter that Arizona had, like some different type of pollen in the air, um, that is heavier and maybe it's causing, causing your, you know, kind of an asthma attack, so to speak to pop up for you. But you know, I, at this moment, we're just guessing, right? Until, yeah. Yeah. So just trying to get day by day and not freak out too much. I think we all kind of know things are going to be okay when our training doesn't go as we planned. Um, but there's still that anxiety piece that is hard to shake that, like, I'm not doing everything I can be doing. Like, how much is it going to affect my performance? And 
I do know it will be fine. And I've done enough training. If I had to do quarter lane tomorrow, I could. Um, but it's just going back to that affirmations that I'm a racer. I will get out there and I'll do good. And whatever happens in the next few weeks, I'll be okay. Yeah. It's one of those where it's, that's a, it's a, it's an important time frame to really kind of ground yourself in where you are at. So being, you know, really, really present in kind of where you are right now. And, and yes, today did not go well, but as I kind of texted you um, a little bit later, I said, well, let's just one, let's see how the week is going. And if things start to maybe clear up and, or you start to feel a little bit better, or maybe it just kind of progresses and we, you know, we, we see how, you know, your breathing's feeling, we can always add this run in because of the way that your week has been structured. We can add this run in at the end of the week and that we could flip flop it. We could just remove something else and add this run in to ensure that you're getting kind of some of these longer hitting some of these longer runs. And we also have to remember, so, you know, that's one, right? We have flexibility. And so it's important to be like, okay, I have flexibility. Let's just take this day by day, see what we can do, ensure that we stay focused on each day and not everything, so to speak, um, and kind of go from there. Um, and then, and then again, moving past that standpoint, you know, we still have a little bit of time. Like we still have another one to two weeks of work where we can get some long stuff in. And so you kind of, then you say, okay, well I have that space to, you know, I can focus on. And then you oftentimes it can be great to like, look back and say, okay, well, last week I got a huge block of training in really good stuff between looking at last week and then backing up. We always have to remember that in reality, what gets us to the start line is thing is, is not necessarily always hitting every single, all the long stuff and just being like, I have to get that 18 miler and I have to get that 20 miler. And, but looking back and saying, okay, how much, what if I put in over time? Right. How many runs have I done? How like if I how many if I've done and right now I think we're on number we've got one two three I don't even know I I mean it would take me a minute to go back through train peaks but we're going on like four plus run back to back to back to back runs of two two to two point five hours so if you add all that up you put a lot of time in your feet already and that is the ticket. That's the key stuff. Kind of grounding yourself in those spaces. And you've had good runs too. So it's more important to focus on, let's clear, let's get the, let's get the chest clear and clean and focus on day to day. Yeah. And those are good things to keep in mind. And I mean, part of me is like, yeah, but like, at least at Kona, I started to struggle around mile 16, maybe. And if I haven't done a 16-mile run, how's that going to feel? But I also know I'm becoming a lot smarter with each run. Like, um, my run last week, for instance, I kind of wanted to descend it, and I did. But I descended, I think, mile 11 too fast. And by mile 14, it hurt pretty bad. Um, so just learning... Or about my race strategy and how I want to execute at plane. So I've still learned a lot, even if 
things aren't perfect the next few weeks and maybe I'm not going to be able to get an 18 miler in. Um, I still have the training base and the training knowledge to get to clean and execute. Um, that's what I'm going to keep in my mind. Yeah, that's a really good point too, is that you have learned a lot about, and like using St. George as an example, you had a really good race in St. George because you had learned hey, this is how I have to, you know, kind of structure some of those pieces. That's kind of the three top things when it comes to, hey, how do I want to really focus my next space when I'm in these pieces? I always like to say, it's like three things, clearing your mind, staying present, and then actions. So clearing your mind of, you can call it the past or you could call it what's going on right now, the shit that you're dealing with, the crap, the things that are making you feel negative. So kind of clearing your mind. So coming up with, hey, what helps me to clear my mind? Is it take, is it focusing on, is it doing some breath work? Is it listening to music? Is it meditating, journaling? Is it going for a walk? Is it watching a movie? What You know, kind of whatever. You can kind of come up with what helps me to clear my mind. So first you got to clear it. And then you bring in presence. How do I be present with where I am right now? And that's kind of how you brought in, you, you already kind of started to do it. You brought in, hey, what do I have to do to still be my best self? Okay, well, I can't do this run necessarily. So maybe I can spin, my, spin on my bike for a little bit to keep that activation moving. Okay, I need to ensure that I'm working on working on my breathing. So doing my breathing exercises, I'm talking to my doctor, you know, staying really present within the space that you're in. And then actions are where you put into place, Hey, what do I need to do in order to ensure that I feel control over this situation? And when you can kind of focus on those three pieces, it helps to be able to move through these things that you're working through. Um, and, you know, I know just from my side of things, like seeing where you're at, I am not worried. Yeah, today didn't go well. It's okay. We have some really good work later down in the week. So take today and tomorrow to say, let, try to let everything calm down. Hopefully, the work that you're doing with your doctor also kicks in quickly. And we just take it day by day. We still have four weeks. We still have time. And then we come up with the appropriate race plan at the time frame, help you kind of get through it. Yep. So all positive thoughts now. Um, just all positive. Um, okay. Kayla, how are you doing this week? Good. Um, I am finally going to be home for a while, which is really nice. And so basically the last like six, eight weeks have just been really chaotic and crazy. And I'm really just kind of excited to be home. I just got back from last week I was in Utah and then I was in Minnesota and I got back on Sunday and now I'm home for a while. So that's really good. The unfortunate piece is over the weekend, I did something really stupid and hurt my left shoulder pretty bad. I actually thought I dislocated it for a very short amount of space um, in when it happened. And 
like almost passed out and like thought I was going to throw up because of the pain. And um, it's been really, still really bothering me. In fact, I'm sitting here in the video and I can kind of see that my trap is like super, super swollen and like fleshy. So that's been fun to deal with. It made my, my rides have been like, it's really challenging to be an arrow. So it kind of pulls up um, through like through the neck, the back, and just kind of down kind of through my triceps. And so being, I had during my ride today, like being an arrow, I had to get out of the arrow like every five minutes and just allow it to kind of calm down. And then swimming has been, has gotten better in the last couple of swims. Um, I can only swim about 2k though, before I can like barely get my arm out of the water because it's so tired. So really hoping that that, calms down quickly. I have a PT appointment on my Thursday to hopefully get that to kind of, yeah, clear out quickly because I was making some good progress like in the pool and everything. And then, you know, it's hard when it's uncomfortable all the time. It just makes things kind of challenging. So yeah, hoping that, hoping that clears up quick. And then we're just getting kind of stuck into a big, huge training block. So I'm not racing again until the end of July. So doing a really big training block here where I really kind of hope to build some pretty big bike fitness and run fitness and improve my swimming, basically just try to get faster. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's needed. So I think we mentioned at the end of last week's podcast how you had done some lactate testing. So what do you find from that and how are you uh, adjusting your training? Yeah. So that was really cool. Um, I actually had never done any like lact, any testing, any type of like VO2, lactate, metabolic, anything. I've never done any testing. I didn't have any of that in, in Spokane. I would have had to go to like Seattle. And even then I don't know, you know, what, where I, I had a hard time finding places to go. Uh, so my coach, uh, her business peak state fit offers lactate testing. So when I, I went down there to get specifically to get um, a new part added to my bike and then do an updated fit on that. And she's like, let's do some lactate testing because, you know, we, I've been having some issues on the bike. I think I've mentioned it before in the space where I like crash and burn to the point where I want to fall asleep on the bike. And I needed to fix that. So she's like, let's get some testing done to see if we can better figure out why some of these things are happening. Um, and so we did a ramp test, um, testing lactate every three minutes. Um, and for those of you that maybe are, you know, listening to this and you're like, well, what is lactate? Um, lactate is basically, it's, um, it's your muscles produce lactate kind of all of the time, even at rest. So it's, it's, it's produced by, by your muscles and it ends up kind of in your bloodstream. And it's one of those things that you can actually test it in order to figure out kind of intensity control, your, um, how hard you're going, if you're going too hard, not hard enough, um, kind of a lot of, it's really, really cool. Um, and it's a really great way to be able to tell, you know, how you are, utilizing your body more from a physiological standpoint and can kind of give you, it's a little bit different. A lot of people always use like functional threshold power and lactate threshold and functional threshold power or FTP are not necessarily, are not the same thing. 
though you can kind of gain and figure out what your FTP is from um, it from lactate testing. And so it's really what it is, is you're trying to determine the point at which your body, you begin to accumulate lactate and then, and how quickly you can kind of, kind of flush it. And then where you tip over that edge to where you're producing so much lactate that you, you can't really, you know, you can't really do with anything. And this comes because it's a, and why we think this is important is because lactate is really a product of the breakdown of the carbohydrates that you are kind of utilizing within your system. So, and the more lactate that you're producing, the faster that your breakdown of the carbohydrates. And so then again, we all know, breakdown carbohydrates, then we kind of lack of for very, very fast terms. And I'm not going, I'm butchering this probably, but then that's kind of when you bonk. And this is something that we were seeing with me. And so what we really saw for me is that I was constantly training and racing in a space where I was burning or producing more lactate than I could keep up with basically. So I was burning through carbohydrates and glycogen extremely fast, which when you do that means that you don't have enough space to train. So I was basically bonking all of the time. And it kind of made sense because I was getting spaces where in training, I was going like seven to 10 days. And then I would have just like this overwhelming amount of fatigue and like literally felt like I couldn't flush lactate. Meaning I just felt like I had no oomph in my legs. Like I wasn't, I couldn't flush out. Um, my body wasn't absorbing anything and I had no, just couldn't, I felt like I had to take like two, three, four, five, sometimes even a week. Um, really, really easy days. So what we're doing basically is we actually decreased my FTP. So decrease my functional threshold power, which is technically the idea of a functional threshold power is that the amount of time that you can hold uh, a power output that you could hold for about an hour. Fairly, you know, you could actually fairly hold it. And we decreased that. And we are now focusing on a block of time frame where I am spending a lot of time in zone two, which is very challenging because it's fairly low power. And my ego is like, mm, that's hard and slow. And this doesn't feel like I'm doing anything, but we're create giving space to increase my aerobic threshold or what a lot of people you've probably heard of being like LT1. You hear that a lot. That's the space where your blood lactate concentration is about less than two and your body fat becomes the more predominant fuel source even though I'm still consuming a lot of carbs, like I'm not doing a fat adapted anything. I'm just trying to increase my body's ability to have a little bit higher aerobic threshold. So by spending a lot of time in ignoring the gray zone, which is where I was training and racing, which is about 85%. And now I'm training a lot at like 75% and then above or above. So kind of 
in between the two and ignoring that gray zone in the hopes that we're going to push that aerobic threshold up. So yeah, the last couple of days, like I've had my, today, my big two and a half hour bike, I did 90 minutes at zone two, and then I did a 45 minute tempo session at, um, um, LT two, which is just above kind of that threshold. So ignoring that gray zone. It's interesting. I'm still learning a lot about it. So if I, for those of you that are extremely smart in this, I probably butchered that explanation. I'm still learning it. And, um, but it's been a lot of fun so far. And I think it's going to pay dividends. It's one of those where you got to slow down, right? You and I've talked about that, like with you, like got to slow down to speed up kind of thing. That's what we're doing. So be very interesting. See how it goes. It definitely almost takes, at least I think for athletes like me and you, um, it almost takes more mental strength to train in zone one and zone two than it does zone three. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, Because like, we like to go hard. And even though as coaches, we both know the huge benefits that come from training zone one, zone two, there's a bit of you who's like, I just want to go. Like, I want to push myself. That's how I feel like I fitted from this session. And <laughs> getting yourself and really forcing yourself to slow down can be really hard. Yeah. You totally nailed it on this idea of, like, like actually the ride yesterday and today. So I had a ride yesterday and a ride today. And both of them were more mentally taxing than they were physically taxing. Because I had to be super present in order to stay in that space. Uh, okay, I can't go above about 175 watts here, or I'm going to push myself too far into the gray zone, and then my I'm got, my lactate could get to a certain point, and then I am not getting any benefit from this this piece. Um, so it, yeah, it's but I did see a huge difference. Whereas like today, if I had done this ride previous, and my coach had said, okay, well at the end I want you to hold about that 200. Uh, watts for 45 minutes steady previously I would have a hard time with it by the end and today like it actually felt easy I got done with the ride and I was like wow I feel like I didn't even do anything and I held to about two, 195 to 200 watts for the whole 45 minutes and never felt like I bonked all a lot of these things so yeah I'm excited to kind of see where it can go from even allow me to get my volume up which will help and do a lot of those pieces. But yeah, it's mentally very challenging. I had to be really focused. Like I couldn't zone out. I like couldn't think about other things. I had to be so focused on, all right, you got to stay in this space. Like, uh Oh, you're tipping. Oh, get back in there. <laughs> like, It's kind of fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I'm only two days into it, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> So we'll then we'll retest in about four to five weeks to see um, how things are going because around four to five weeks from now, I'll start needing to move into more, more specificity because I'll have racing coming up in about four to five weeks. Um, so we're hoping that I can kind of have made this little bit of a shift in my physiolo- physiology um, to, you know, kind of shift a little bit. And then be able to kind of bump up the uh, FTP and 
then get a little bit more specific with more race pace style work. Um, Cause race pace kind of is in the gray zone, especially for Ironman training. But if you spend too much time in the gray zone, you don't really do anything for yourself. So it's been a really good shift in my own mindset, just mentally, because as I started like talking to my coach about it, I was like, well, this is how I would train somebody else. So why I have, I been ignoring it. <laughs> it's kind of what's been happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically been ignoring my own physiolog- physiological issues and <laughs> Not not training how I would coach somebody, which is really stupid. <laughs> like, so. Yep, um, <laughs> that's a little bit of ego for you. <laughs> yep, that would be ego, pure ego, hundred <laughs> percent. Not afraid to own that. <laughs> I I can I can agree to that one. So, um, yeah. So it'll be exciting. So. Um, again, for those of you that are a lot smarter than I am and know more about this, I probably, again, butchered the whole lactate threshold explanation. Um, but I'm excited to learn more about it and how it really affects my body and then be able to use it, um, you know, for coaching as well. So, um, yeah. yeah. If you want to read about any of it, um, this is obviously unsponsored, but, um, there's a book called science scientific trainer endurance athletes that I find does a really good job of explaining it all and would recommend if you're into this stuff and you want to learn more about it. Yes, that is a really good one. That's I've, I've heard of that one. The one that I've been reading that I have, and I, what is it? It's the, um, uh, training with a Training and Racing with a Power Meter by Andrew Coggin and Hunter Allen. That's a really good one. Um, It's, it kind of really walks you through like this whole like level of how to increase your FTP and really focused on this idea of aerobic threshold and then, you know, LT1, LT2 type of thing. Um, So yeah, that's a good one. I'd recommend that one as well. Cool. That was one I'll of the first books Shall I bought. Shall we get into questions? I... Yes. Um, awesome. Okay, so what I want to do is I do want to go over a question that we had um, on our uh, episode that we ended up deleting because the sound quality was just so horrible. Um, and it was a, uh, but it was a really great question um, about heart rate. And so I kind of wanted to just go re go over that one because again, I thought it was a really great question, um, that probably didn't really get a chance to see the light of day. So, um, this is, a, it was a question from Danielle and Danielle is a Wary PTQ athlete. Um, she's racing Coeur d'Alene with Aaron and, um, she basically was just kind of asking us, she hears us talk about heart rate a lot. And so, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you probably hear Aaron and I constantly say, well, my heart rate felt really high or my heart rate on the bike plummeted at X number. And so she wanted to know how do we train with heart rate? Do we wear heart rate monitor during racing? What are our thoughts on heart rate? What do we like about it, dislike about it? And so um, I wanted to kind of go back over that so that hopefully the quality of this podcast is a lot better and it can hear the light of day. Um, so Aaron, let's start with you here. 
your thoughts on heart rate. Do you wear a heart rate monitor when you race? I know you um, sometimes wear one when you train. Um, thoughts on how you use heart rate to help guide you in training, racing, recovery, etc. Yeah. Um, so I pretty much always have my Garmin watch on. Um, so that never comes off. So even training, racing, sleeping, um, I'll have my watch on training wise. I only wear a heart rate monitor on the bike. Um, that is a way more accurate heart rate than your wrist heart rate. Um, but I hardly ever use my heart rate while training um, and don't really use it much while racing either. Um, what I will do, though, is after session, look back on my heart rate data. Um, and this is just to see where it was and to see if it kind of matches up with what I was feeling. Um, especially right now as it's getting hot in Arizona. Um, I kind of do look at the aerobic decoupling a little bit, um, which you get from your heart rate and just to see kind of what's going on there too. And see if the heat's affecting me or if I seem to be, um, adapting to the heat more each session and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and I think one of the key pieces with heart rate is that it can be kind of finicky. It's important, but it can be really finicky because it's very environmentally um, affected and it's very nutritionally affected, recovery affected. Um, and like you, you mentioned, like in, in the heat, at oftentimes, especially until you're adapted to it, it can be five to 10 beats higher instantly. And so it's kind of something you, you have to be... Um, really aware of. Um, for those of you that are, you know, listening and maybe don't know what um, Aaron mentioned, aerobic decoupling. And this is kind of an important thing that can really help you to determine whether or not you went out too hard, if you got dehydrated, didn't have enough calories, you know, bonking, glycogen depletion, et cetera, et cetera. And basically what aerobic decoupling is, is when your heart rate starts to creep, but your pace either stays the same or decreases. So if you can imagine a graph, you have two lines and these lines are getting further and further and further apart. Um, and so this decoup that's, de that's called decoupling. And you want those, you want those lines to stay symmetrical and or parallel to the effort. And, um, and so when that decoupling occurs, oftentimes it's a time to ask the question of, did you start out too fast and maybe got bonk? Did you not have enough calories? Do you not have enough hydration? Was it really hot out? What do I need to adjust, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, wearing a heart rate monitor is really great because it can allow you to look at those things and then go back and ask those questions or have your coach ask those questions. Like those are oftentimes the questions I ask athletes a lot. Um, and, you know, kind of paying attention to those pieces. The other thing, you know, I think heart rate is really cool. So like Aaron was, you were sick about a week or so ago. And your resting heart rate was super high. And that's how we knew, okay, we're not feeling good. And then your resting heart rate came back down. And then you started having good workouts. And it's like, okay, yep, I'm feeling better. Um, so those are the kind of things that heart rate is really great for, you know, kind of paying attention to. Um, 
And so that's, you know, I, I agree. That's kind of how I use it too, where I wear a heart rate monitor, um, when I ride my bike, I don't wear it when I run, but I do have it on my Garmin watch as well. Um, and I'm more, I don't use it when I'm training, like from like an initial number standpoint, but I kind of like pay attention to it. So like today on my ride, I was kind of looking at it and that's how I also knew that I was doing my zones correctly. It's because my long 90 minute session that was supposed to be in zone two, my heart rate stayed kind of about 130 to 135. But when I went into that tempo effort, my heart rate went up to about 150, which is where I would like to see it kind of for like that type of effort. So it's more of just a gauge. I don't think it should ever be an end all be all unless it feels like garbage. Um, which that's so everybody's kind of funky. It's really cool. It's really great data. I think you should collect it, but you should, shouldn't necessarily like have it be the end all be all type of thing. Yeah. But it can give you good ideas. I do think pay attention to it. Um, cool. Anything else on heart rate Um, for you? Like, I do think it's super interesting to, I do think it's super interesting to look back at sometimes. Like I just pulled out my data for my run today, which as I said, had to stop and was really slow. And when I was going 11 minute miles, my heart rate was 155 beats per minute, which is usually my heart rate when I'm running 845s, nine minute miles. Um, so something's definitely going on. Um, I'll get it figured out, but that type of stuff is interesting to look at and to have data to kind of back the way you're feeling. Ah, yes, that's a good, yeah, so that shows us, we look at that and we say, okay, something is going on physiologically because that's not where, that is not where your, you know, your heart rate should not be that high um, for the effort that you were putting into it, right? Um, And so, Yeah. yeah, that's one of the cool things that it can do is, really give you space to question, Hey, you know, what's coming up? How do I fix it? Or do I need to back off? Do I need to make an adjustment kind of thing? Um, and so that's how, yeah. Do you wear your watch while you sleep? I do. Yeah. I do. Um, it gives you, does, gives you good God. kind of resting heart rate and stuff. It does. And I just recently upgraded to the new Forerunner 965, I think. Um, and it gives you your HRV too, which I found super interesting. Like my AB two weeks ago when I was pretty sick, super low. Um, I had gotten the wall. I didn't know if that was just like my baseline or if it was actually that low. Um, but now since I've started to feel better my HRVs way up compared to two weeks ago, um, which really just does to solidify what I was feeling. And so it is really nice to have data to explain, or at least just like assure you that, yeah, something was off, like something was not right. Um, so I do like having that data and my sleep data and all of that. Yeah. Sleep data is really cool. Um, my issue is I can't wear my watch while I sleep. I just can't do it. Cannot do it. Drives me nuts. It's too big. It's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm <laughs> going to hit myself in the face with it or something. 
But the sleep data is really cool. But I think that kind of brings a really great point, though, that is a kind of a good topic is, is data is really cool, but we have to be careful with it and because it's easy to get really bogged down in the weeds about data. And it's not the end-all be-all. So being able to kind of separate yourself from, here's my data, but this is me, is really important. Yeah. I think, uh, for instance, the open environment does the, your training high school. And a lot of the times, like, it will be in the poor, not ready to train zone, but that's not necessarily true because a lot of the times so we want to generate that fatigue and you don't want to listen to that all the time. Like, if you feel good, don't let your watch tell you that you should be feeling bad right now. Just go with how you're feeling sometimes. Yeah, because it's not – I often feel like and – you, and you'll see this a lot from um, age groupers and amateurs versus professionals. If you listen to a lot of professionals, they'll often go – like, so, for example, Lucy Charles recently did the PTO European Open with no data. None. You try to get an amateur to do that, and they will, like, have a panic attack can't tell you, like I've had, I've tried to do that to some athletes. Like, I don't want you to put, I don't want you to race with data. The only thing I want on your watch is time. So you know how far you've gone. That's it. And like, I can like hear it in their voice. Like it's like a little bit of a panic. Um, but you know, and her, you know, her rationale was awesome. She's like, I just have to race hard and I'm out here to have some fun. And at the end of the day, that's what we have to kind of focus on. And that's the important piece is you racing hard, not you racing to the numbers on your computer screen. Cause they're not you. Right. And that's even something that, you know, you and I have worked on for you is this idea that of like letting go of, of, of taking the recoveries easy. Like that's a big one for athletes and is right. We all want to see the average overall average to be look good. But, and so, but a, when you look at your whole run, if you're doing intervals and then you have recovery, that's going to slow your average down. And that's a really hard one for athletes to grasp. And so the thing that I see on a regular basis is athletes having is taking their recoveries too fast because they want that overall average to be really high. But it's more important to execute and to focus on, hey, this is what this needs to look like versus, oh, my average is super speedy and it looks really good on Strava. Hopefully, hopefully this is recording properly because I can't hear Aaron now. So we may be having technical difficulties, everybody. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, you never know. It seems like, it seems like almost every podcast we have some sort of technical difficulty. One of these days we'll get it figured out and <laughs> we will have a good audio stream here. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of think I'll let Erin try to figure out what's going on with her audio here, but you know, one of the important things that I always like to 
kind of get athletes to try to focus on is this idea of self and that your, again, but like your data is not the end all be all of yourself is that more important for you to be able to understand what you're capable of and who, what, how you feel. And that's the same goes with heart rate, pace, um, power, any and all the above. It's, it's really needs to be focused on, Hey, how do I execute this for my best self? What does this look like? And then what does that need to be focused on? And that's kind of that whole idea of asking yourself, well, how do I want to feel in this space and in this time? And then what will that do for me? So it's kind of one of those whenever I have athletes creating kind of a race plan, while it's important to have numbers around that plan so that you're not doing you know dumb things like I did and going out too hard and blowing up, it's also more important to really sh- ensure that you're focusing on what you have to do in order to feel the way that you want to feel. So maybe you want to feel strong. Maybe you want to feel powerful. Maybe you want to feel excited and asking yourself, what actions do I have to put into play in order to feel that way? So, yeah, I think it's, that's, you know, it's optimizing your performance comes from more than just the numbers. Um, And I think when you can kind of learn to really give yourself the space to focus on you, you can learn a lot about what your body is capable of. It's easy to get really caught up in what the numbers are supposed to look like, but it's even more powerful to get really caught up in what you can do. So, well, hopefully Aaron is back here. Otherwise you guys are going to have to listen to me ramble for another little bit of time. (laughs) And, (laughs) oh, here she is. I can hear her. Welcome back. Thank you. Yeah, I sit right next to the Wi-Fi router, so I don't know what was going on, but I'm back. Perfect. Well, everybody got a good dose of listening to Kayla ramble on the benefits of focusing on understanding how you want to feel in order to optimize your performance. That's something that like when you've created your race plans, we've had you focus on. So when, when you go into race, Aaron, and you're asking yourself, okay, I want to optimize my performance. What are some of the number one things that you focus on? Um, I focus on my breathing a lot um, in terms of just how heavy it is. And if I'm breathing through my nose or my mouth or um, that. And then I just also feel focus on the emotional side of it and how I'm doing emotionally um like every Iron Man I finish I want to finish with a smile um and just staying in a space that allows me to do that and I want to feel proud of myself throughout the race for being there and for doing it um that's much different than like a physiological thing um but it helps me race because when I'm racing happy I'm racing my best um That's kind of my focus. How about you? (laughs) Kind of the same. And I think I like how you said that when you're racing happy, you're racing your best because it's really, really true. Um, And I, I, it's 
when you can raise happy and having fun out there and reminding yourself of why we love to do this sport, it's really freeing to allow yourself the space to um, do what you need to do. And you hear that, you know, across the board when people say that they have their best race, it always comes down to, well, you ask them, oh, what did you do different? Or did you do anything different? And usually what they say is, I went into it really relaxed. I was just focused on having fun and enjoying it. And that gets the best out of yourself. Um, you know, not to keep using Lucy Charles Barclay as a, as a example. The only reason I is because I just recently listened to a podcast with her and she was explaining some of these things. And one of the questions that was asked of her was in 2021, she had some of her best racing ever. And they said, well, why was that? And she said, honestly, I was having a lot of fun. I was just enjoying it. I loved all the things I was doing. And I had a curiosity for exploring what it is that I was trying to achieve. And she says, lately, I've been trying to refine that. Because when I race for fun, I get the most out of myself. And I thought that was a great reminder to all of us that when we focus on the fun of it and why we do it, It gives us a space to relax and clear the mind, be present, and then, you know, create space for the actions that we need to do in order to actually achieve that. Now, again, that doesn't mean that focused and structured training is not important because it is. I just, you know, I just explained the fact that we are doing more of a scientist, my my coach and I are doing more of a scientific base to my training. But at the end of the day, if I'm not having fun, I'm not going to produce. Yep. And your best races, Aaron, have come from that as well. For sure. Yeah. They've all been the races that I've been excited for and have been able to not take super, super seriously and just enjoy. Because it relaxes you. Calms It calms that critter brain down so that you're not, you know, overdoing things from a, you know, pressure standpoint. Pressure's perception and how you can perceive that pressure is really powerful. Well, those were kind of, we ended up kind of going, covering one question, but going into a couple of different topics here. Um, anything else you want to chat about today, Erin, before I go run and then pick up my kids? <laughs> um, I do want to chat a little bit um, about bike safety as we get into outdoor riding season and kind of how to stay safe. Um, I think both of us do a lot of riding on our own, which does make us a little less visible. So what are ways that you make sure you're staying safe on the road? That's a great topic. Um, Bike safety is always a good one. And there's a lot of people for two things. One, they either train by themselves or two, um, they train only on the trainer and then they don't know how to implement some of these pieces. Um, I've been riding by myself since I was like 12 predominantly, um, all of my trains. Like I've had people ask me, don't you, aren't you afraid to go out riding by yourself? Not at all. (laughs) Um, so it's never really been an issue for me, but a lot of things that I do especially now after I've been hit by a couple of cars is I, one, I ride with a light on the back of my bike. 
I ride with the Garmin, sort of the V Garmin Varia. Um, and it's the radar one. I love it. I would recommend it to anybody. I'm not sponsored at all. You should buy it. It's worth every penny. It lets you know when cars are going to be or behind you. Um, so that has been very, very awesome. Um, I pick routes that I know have a good shoulder. I ride at times when I know maybe there's less traffic. I always let somebody know where I'm going. So I always let, you know, my husband or my mom, since now that I live in these areas and my family, um, you know, kind of know I'm like, Hey, I'm going to be riding this for this amount of time in this amount of area. Um, I usually text somebody when I start and when I get done, um, or even really, really long rides, I'll text somebody halfway through and say, Hey, I'm about halfway through. It's going well. Um, and just so that people are kind of aware of where I am and how long things are taking, um, I'll drive out to areas too, that I know are safer. Um, yeah, those are kind of some of the things I do How about yourself. Because you ride by yourself a lot, too. Yeah, I hardly ride with other people. Um, I do a lot of the things you mentioned. Um, Have a light and know the route I'm going to take before I start. I actually go to the Garmin Connect app and plug my routes in and look at the streets that have bike lanes and the most popular routes written to get an idea um, beforehand. The other thing that I do when I am riding in a busier area that has a lot of driveways um, is I try to make eye contact with the driver um, in the driveway. So if it's going to be like a perpendicular situation, I try to make sure they see me. And if I can't make eye contact with them, I come out of arrow and I'm ready to break um, just in case. And that's actually has saved me from getting hit a couple of times. Um, Like my ride last week was riding past the Home Depot parking lot and couldn't make eye contact with the driver, came out at Arrow, and he did not see me because right as I was about to get there, he started pulling out. And if I had been in Arrow and couldn't get my hand on the brakes, I would have slammed right into his car as he was pulling out. Um, So I think that's something that can be really beneficial because you'd rather err on the side of caution and be ready to brake or steer um, away if you have to, then maybe save yourself two seconds on your training ride. Ah, that is a really great point. Um, really busy areas like that. Don't ride narrow. You have less control. You can't hit your brakes. Yeah. I think that was a great point. Um, and I love that you said you try to make eye contact with them because I do that as well. Cause I feel like if they make eye contact, like they, then, then I know they see me hundred percent know they see me. Um, and yeah, I think that's a, I always do that as well. Kind of is like comforting knowing like, okay, you saw me. So if you now pull up and you hit me, like that's you, you were an idiot because we made, all, yeah. we made eye contact. <laughs> yes. You cannot avoid me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a great one. Um, wearing very visible clothing. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of companies make really bright clothes now. Um, wear them, wear visible, you know, bright clothing, um, and is also a good way to ensure, you know, I usually try to stay away from blacks because I just feel like even though you can still be seen, it's, it's not as easy. So bright colors in your clothes just helps you to be a little bit more standouty. Um, 
and then lights. I think lights are really, you should always ride lights front and back if you have both or at least back so the cars can see you. And then I think the other but riding by yourself doesn't have to be scary. Our, no, it doesn't. And I think the other piece of advice for Arizona riders is don't be afraid on your routes to stop to refill hydration. So that's, we're talking about yes. health safety um, to prevent some type of medical episode is it's okay if you have to 100%. stop multiple times during your five hour ride to get hydration in. Um, it's worth it. It's going to increase your cognitive focus. So if you do get in a situation with a car, you're better prepared and we'll have a faster reaction time to deal with that too. Yes. Love that advice. Don't be afraid of just doing random little tiny loops around your parked car if you have to. Like 20-mile loops. If you have to do five by 20-mile loops so that you are near hydration, water, do it. It's okay. It's not going to ruin your training day. It's more important to fuel yourself um, than it is. Or stop at a gas station. Refill get a cola, get water, go to the bathroom. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Powerade slushy. I got a Powerade slushy on one of my recent long rides. And that was a great move. <laughs> Probably was like the most delicious thing ever in the middle of a hot day. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Shout out QT. That, does, that actually sounds good. Right? Yeah. My thing always thing is I always want like a I do. I always want like an icy cold cola or a Gatorade. It's always kind of where I, mm-hmm. I tend to go when I'm really, really hot. Um, I haven't hit, I haven't had one of those days yet here because I haven't been quite toasty enough. Well, I wonder what it's that. I have to go for a run after this and I'm curious as to what I will be running in. I'm going to be, oh, it says it's 97. That sounds all right. That's not too bad. Hasn't been, it hasn't been brutal here yet. Um, but it's coming. I know it is. I'm actually going to be testing out at the, on this run. I bought a uh, running vest that I can carry water. I'm going to test it. I don't like nice. wearing them. I don't yeah, like Yeah, I know them. you don't. You don't like any type of hydration strategy, really. Like, I know you have a hard time carrying two bottles, too, don't you? I can't carry two bottles. I can carry one. Can't can't run with two. It's weird. I can't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I can't carry, and I and I can't run with like a big water bottle, like like a normal sized water bottle. So I can't like run with like a twenty ounce water bottle. So the only things I can seem to run with in my hand are like those like twelve ounce bottles and in this type of in Arizona weather you can go through a 12 ounce bottle in like 10 minutes so I need to figure out a way because I don't I don't have like a sag support like I don't have somebody riding with me all the time who can have just hand me water um every once in a while Brandon can do that but just with the kids and his work schedule and my work schedule it just doesn't work so I'm attempting to figure out how to wear a running vest so that I can carry more water with me for my runs. Well, I'm excited to hear that, how that goes. Because <laughs> <laughs> you just carry two water bottles, right? 
yeah, I carry two water bottles and that usually gets me through 45 minutes. Um, so usually what I've been doing is I like today, if I had gotten through my whole run, um, I had two Yetis, 36 ounce Yetis full of Gatorade endurance waiting in the back of a truck along with a bottle of water, some salt and some extra gels. Um, and I loop do 45 minute loops, um, and just refill. Um, usually one of those also involves a bathroom break, um, because it just does, but, um, that's what I usually do. Which is totally great. And I think that's a a really good option. Like my issue is that again, if I can only carry like a 10 ounce bottle, I'm looping like every 20 minutes. So I need to figure out a way to be able to maybe loop like every 45 to an hour. Um, like I have a two hour run on Saturday. I'll probably start early enough though. Um, like I'll probably start it at seven and it's only going to be in the eighties at that time frame to, on Saturday. Um, but eventually it's going to get to a point where it's a hundred at like almost 7am. Right. And when it's a hundred degrees, you need more than 10 ounces of water. So I'm going to test it out. I don't know. We'll see. I just don't like the way they feel. And then the water bounces. I don't like things bouncing. I don't know. I'm a very extra. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, it took me forever to even learn how to use a handheld water bottle, honestly. Like, I had a hard time even using a handheld water bottle, um, which meant that I basically deferred the longest time did all my runs with no water, nothing. Um, and then I learned that that was stupid. And I that is stupid. Try to. <laughs> yeah. Glad you're yes. trying a best yes. now. Yes. So I am trying the Ultra Spire race vest. I don't even know. It was recommended to me by Anna. Um, she's used it and she said it did really well. Um, it seems like really lightweight. I put it on. It's really small and minimalistic. Um, so we shall see. I can report back to everybody on how this goes. So, <laughs> cause I know I'm everybody here. wants to know. <laughs> They're just dying <laughs> to hear. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of running, I need to get running because I need to go pick up my kids from grandma and grandpa. My mom and dad made today possible because Brandon had to go to work, standard, and I had a bunch of training. We only have help for one kid right now. So without my mom and dad, I would have been home all day today doing nothing. Um, So thank you to them. They don't listen to this podcast, but they have been making (laughs) life go round lately. So until we can have full-time care for Baylor, my mom and dad have been stepping up to the plate. So they picked the, they picked Baylor up at 7.15 this morning. And I need to go relieve them before they decide they don't want to be babysitters anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week whenever you're listening to this. And we will be back next week. Peace, y'all. Different outro today.